Hola. Welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins, a Sydney-based broadcaster, podcaster, musician, writer, father and grandfather. This is where you'll find 130 interviews about the Camino de Santiago or the Way of St. James. I met a pilgrim, a podcast listener, at a gig in Sydney last week, and she said, how long are you going to keep going? And I said, well, actually, I'd love for a pilgrim to walk all the way from St. Jean-Pied-de-Port to Santiago, listening to my podcasts all the way. Really? I might even do it myself. I'm not too far off, actually. I have some time to go, so it's not an unrealistic goal. But no goal is unrealistic. We're pilgrims, right? You think, I can't get past this town. All the albergues are full. You think, I don't want to lose my friends, but I promised to myself a rest day in Pamplona. You'll catch up down the way. You think, I'm actually seriously sleep-deprived, and then you find a quiet corner in an albergue when everyone else is outside singing songs, drinking Tinto di Varana. You get a sneaky three hours sleep, and you're back. Seth Adam Smith is a best-selling, award-winning author and blogger. He says, I believe each of us is a pilgrim in our own way. We are all lost souls trying to find our way home. Well, what or where is home? And what if home is not what you hoped it would be? Maybe home is hurt. The Camino de Santiago is an opportunity for renewal, discovery or rediscovery. I guess this week has lived the most difficult few years you can possibly imagine. Douglas Hogan is on the line from Little Rock, Arkansas in the US. Welcome, Pilgrim. Buen Camino. Tell me in one sentence the story of your last two years. Just one sentence. Uh, A living nightmare. Um, But in that nightmare, finding... The strength to to live on. Yeah, yeah. And there you have it, you see. I'm a researcher by trade, and I found the tribute book where people could leave messages in the wake of your son Garrett's death. People talk about a wonderful a young man, a beautiful family. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your family in Little Rock, Arkansas. Um... I'm a 42-year-old electrician, uh, been married for a year now. Um, I have a stepson who is seven years old, nonverbal autistic, and he is uh, a joy. And one, one of my many reasons to, to keep going. I won't, I won't ask what went wrong with Garrett. But I'd prefer to ask you uh, how you have come to terms with what went wrong. I think I found part of my answer on the Camino. Yeah. Um, Garrett was being bullied in school, and I listened to your podcast, and I heard another gentleman, you know, later in life describing his being bullied at a younger age, and that's what got me to reach out to you. Is his how it affected his life, and Garrett was being bullied. Straight A student, National Honor Society, never got in trouble in school, 
very much a people pleaser, uh, a Boy Scout, hiker, and a hockey player. Uh, I, I didn't see his suicide coming. Um, there were no indications. It was social anxiety is why he chose to take his own life. And I don't think his young mind understood the severity of the decision that he was making. How old was he, Doug? Sixteen. A father, a father's not supposed to outlive his son. Oh, absolutely not. That must burn. I will never get to go to his graduation or see him go to college or get married or I will never have grandchildren. I, I felt like all of my future was gone because he was supposed to be my legacy and I enjoyed watching him grow up so much. I never thought we were ever anywhere close to the end. It was supposed to be a lifetime of me watching him grow. How did the Camino come into your life originally? I want to talk about how the Camino has helped you heal. But first, let's, let's get a bit of background. How did it first come into your life? How did you first hear about it? Um... Well, Garrett was very active in Boy Scouts. I'm an Eagle Scout. Um, Garrett almost had his Eagle and my best friend give him his Eagle Award posthumously. And we did a lot of hiking together, not just with Boy Scouts, but together. In fact, our last picture taken together was on the... Washita Trail here in Arkansas, and my girlfriend at the time, now wife, took that picture two days before he died. Um, we hiked, we played hockey together, and when we weren't doing those two and the weather didn't allow, we watched hockey and hiking movies, and we stumbled across this movie called The Way, and he wasn't really that interested in the first few minutes. And then he just got hooked on all the characters. And when it got to the end, and they were standing there in Musia, he said, how cool would it be to be able to do something like that, Dad? And I said, when you graduate high school, I'll take six, eight weeks off and we'll go do it together. And he's like, but what about your job? And I said, I have one job in this world, and that's to raise you. I can find another job, but once you graduate, I have completed one step in that mission. And when we get back, if I don't have a job, I'll find a new one. And it really touched me, his maturity and understanding what they were saying at the end of the way. And I didn't know how much my saying we would do it together after he graduated meant to him. But after he passed away, his English teacher showed me his journal 
and where he had written about the trip that he was going to take with his dad and how cool it was going to be to be able to do that and do it together. I crawled into a bottle for, oh, three or four months. I tried going back to work. I couldn't adult. I wasn't, I didn't know how to function without him. Um, it was like half of me died with him and I didn't know how to live. So I was at work one day and I just called my girlfriend and I said, you're going to think I'm crazy, but I have to go do this for Garrett. And I'm going to leave one picture of him every day somewhere along the way. I didn't know what to expect. You know, I'd seen the cruise to Pharaoh, but I didn't see all the pilgrims crosses and the, all the cathedrals that I would pass. And I didn't understand the, you know, I got the, the commercial version of the Camino. But I had to go do this for him. And that was my goal, to do it for Garrett. And then a few days into the Camino, I realized I was actually doing it with Garrett. Um, I was the one doing the walking. And I was supposed to be his protector for 16 years. But for that trip and for the rest of my life. He's the one watching over me. Oh, that's fantastic. That is absolutely amazing. Tell, tell us about leaving the pictures uh, on the Camino. Where did you leave them? What were they pictures of? Were they the same photograph? And Did you take no, them all with you? No, they it, were. Was it, did, did you plan to do it? Or what was it? Yeah, I, I planned to do it. So I picked out about 40 pictures and had them laminated and they were from birth to his last picture. And, um, my brother, a few days before I left, give me an envelope. And he said, I want you to take these with you. And they were stickers that were the, same 40 pictures that I could leave on trails in albergues, wherever. And then there were some other stickers that were his neatest autograph that I could find in going through his school book. And I found a note that he had written to his teacher, and I had his, his name that he had written tattooed on my left arm. So my brother had that same signature printed on 40 stickers. And then I left also a hockey puck with wings and the number 25, which was his hockey number. Some of those stickers, they give me 40 of those. And I just left them at random. I left one on the mirror in St. Jean at the first albergue. And at that point, I had no idea where I was going to leave them, what I was going to do with them. I just wanted to leave a piece of Garrett wherever I went. How wonderful. And, and you now, when, when you picture the Camino, it's like there's a trail there. It's like that, that, it's almost like a seam has been sewn through it. Yeah, 
I, uh, I'm a member of Slow Strollers on the Camino, and <laughs> someone shared a picture the other day, and I saw the road sign, and I was so excited that I saved that picture, and then I put it up against my picture, because sometimes when I would leave pictures of Garrett along the way, I would take pictures of them, and then sometimes it felt like too intimate a spot. Like, if you want to see Garrett here in Spain, you have to come see him for yourself. You have to come do the Camino. So I didn't share all the pictures on Facebook, but this was one that I'd taken a picture of, and I compared the two, and I was like, that's it. It's faded, but he's still there. Yeah. Wow. That's so great. That's such a beautiful thing to do. What a great, and it's unique. I've never heard any in, in all of the people I've spoken to, I've never heard anybody talk about something like that. That's something very special and unique for you and for Garrett. Uh, and, and I wonder, in, in the process of walking, uh, the Camino is a very social environment. Did you talk much about Garrett with your fellow pilgrims? I actually, I didn't want to. But it was, it became a forced issue. Uh, I met an Italian lady on the train coming from Paris. And uh, we recognized each other as pilgrims. And when we got to St. Jean, we kind of had bonded on the train and hung together. Well, when we went to get our passports, the English line was out the door and around the corner. And, of course, the Italian line was very short. So when she finished, she come out and... She said, come with me. I'll, I'll get you through in the Italian line. But okay. So uh, I go in there, and then they asked for my passport, and I told them, no, I, I want Garrett's name on the passport. And the guy's like, no, you can't do that. And I said, it has to have Garrett on my passport, because when I get my Compostela, I wanted it to be like the way. I wanted it to be his name on there, which would end up becoming a mistake later on in Santiago, but in a good way. Um, I had, he wouldn't let me put Garrett's name on there until I explained why. He wanted to know the reason. And so I had to tell her the story, and she's translating and she just lost it. She started crying, and I couldn't hold it back either. And he said, okay, we will put Garrett on there. Yeah. So my passport says Douglas Garrett Allen Hogan. And when I went to get my Compostela's, I wanted it to say Garrett Hogan. And when they printed off the Compostela, I forgot to tell them. So it says... Garrett Douglas. And it, so we're both on the Compostela. Oh, no, really? Which, so that they kind of made a mistake, but instead it says Garrett it, Douglas. It, it was more poetic than oh, wow. trying to follow the movie. Oh, so wow. then, So then I got the, the distance Compostela so that I would have one that said Garrett Hogan. But, That's yeah, awesome. that... That's awesome. Uh, um, um, a mistake that that meant a lot. Yeah, and, and <laughs> that's so great. Much much more poetic than 
anything I could have thought of. Yeah, yeah. Because I was really, I was really going, I want to change it, but I better not. I'm just going to leave it like this. Yeah. Yeah. How fantastic. That's a great story. I wonder what part of the Camino was the most difficult. And I, and I ask that question wondering if the physical challenges reflected the personal and spiritual challenges, because while you were going through everything in your head, your body would have been going through a lot too. I think everyone has it right when they say the first week is the physical, this is impossible, I'm never going to make it. Like, what have I done? You, you just start, the physical part does become very important. But I'd hooked up with this Italian lady and me being nervous, never been to Europe before, I kind of hung with her. She spoke five languages. And she met up with a group of six other Italians, and they were all walking together. So I kind of stayed with them until Lagrono. And when I got to Lagrono, I was like, I'm going to take a rest day here. I'm, I'm done. Physically, I'm hurt. I'd stress fractured my right ankle on day two, coming down the Pyrenees. Uh, then... Coming into Lagrono, my left knee gave out because I was overcompensating with it. And they were kind of doing the bed race thing, you know, get up early, stop at two, make sure you got a bed. And that, that's not, I didn't know what I was there for yet, but that's not what I was there for. So I had to separate and go on my own. And, like, when I went through Pamplona, I didn't stop in Pamplona. I walked on through. Uh, I wanted to get away from everybody. And then once we got to Lagrano, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm done with this group. And it's not that I had anything against them. I needed to do it my way. So I, I walked for pretty much the rest of the way by myself. I met people. And kept bumping into the same people. One German guy. His name is uh, Philip. Where we still talk to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a time he was going to quit. He got sick due to us walking in the rain. He was going to quit. So in uh, I can't remember where we were, but I got a hotel room, and my girlfriend was like, "It's not a good idea. You sharing the." a hotel room with someone who's sick. And I was like, he needs to be taken care of. I'm not going to let him quit. Uh, I just kept bumping into him. I would spend a day, day and a half with him and then not see him for three days. We would message through Facebook. And then I'd be sitting in a cafe and I would hear my name. And uh, we would walk together for another day and, and not see each other for two or three days. But I, I had to do it on my own. The, the first week physically challenged. The second week was mentally challenged. But I think the second week was the mental growth that I was looking for. Yeah. Uh, I mentally was on the verge of cracking and having a nervous breakdown. I didn't want to share Garrett with any other pilgrims. Um. And 
I, I came up to one of the, the way markers and it said, pray for your enemies. And I said, okay, I, I'm going to do this. And I started praying for Garrett bullies. And I asked God to take out his vengeance on these bullies. I said, God, punish them, but punish them in your way. Punish them in this life and not the next. I don't want them to suffer forever. And whatever you do, if you punish them, don't let me see it. Because I'm human and I will rejoice and celebrate to know that they hurt and that's not right. And somewhere in that prayer, I started talking to Garrett. And to this day, when I pray, I talk to Garrett. And it's not that I see Garrett as a God, but Garrett is with God. So when I pray, I talk to God first and then to Garrett, and then I may go back and talk to God for a while. Or I may start off just driving down the road, talking to Garrett, and then switch and and start praying. But did, that way marker changed that. Yeah. Did And so did the Camino then act as a form of confessional in a way? I was looking for something. It wasn't necessarily a confessional, though I did spend a lot of time trying to figure out what I missed. What I had done wrong, had, had I done something wrong as a parent to cause yeah. my child to commit suicide? Yeah. And I finally had to come to terms with, I had done everything I could to keep him happy and healthy and strong and safe. And hindsight's twenty twenty. You know, I'm, I cry sometimes now every time I think of when I raised my voice with him or I got on to him and my wife's like, you had to discipline him. He doesn't get a free pass, and you didn't know that it was coming. It, it just—it doesn't work that way. Uh, I think it was in the third week after my mental awakening that became a, a spiritual awakening that I started to figure out what my purpose on the Camino was. I needed a reason to live and the strength to do it. Um, My reason to live was to honor Garrett in everything that I do. And when I came home, I started my own electrical company, Garrett Electric, and I named it after him because I didn't hear his name enough anymore. So I liked to hear people call and ask for Garrett Electric. I wanted to hear his name. So I wanted to live to honor him, but then I had to find the strength. And the strength is what became about halfway through my Camino that I was looking for. So I started pushing myself a little further every day. And I wanted my last day into Santiago to be my long. So that's what I did. It was 28 
and a half miles, I think, that I did on the last day. Right. What would that be? 42, 43 kilometers? Yeah, 40-something Ks, yeah. What would you say to Garrett today if you could say something to him? The selfish part of me wants him back. Um, that's what I would say. I want you back. But it just in reality, I know that I can't have that. That I love him and I miss him every day. I miss talking to him. I miss laughing. I miss his hug. I just want to tell him I love him and show him that I love him. I think you're showing him that you love him every breath of your day, Doug. There's no question about that. I know that um, you're Douglas Hogan. My my mother was a Hogan. Um, It's Irish blood. It goes back centuries. Um, And we are traditionally very generous and kind and giving people. Uh, I've been back to to visit Hogan's in Ireland, and it's 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 as if they're people that I've known my entire life. It's it's part of who we are. Um, tell us about y- your role now in the local community and how you're trying to help out there. <laughs> I would like to say I'm doing more, but really, it my business has been my focus. Uh, my family has been my focus since I got married last year. Uh, and I, I guess I'm, I was very much an extrovert and a class clown and just really fun and outgoing before Garrett died. And I'm, I'm much more recluse now. Um, I still have those moments that I laugh and I shine and I have a good time. But I, I'm I'm much I'm much quieter now, so I'm much more reserved. I did adopt a uh, a greyhound last year. Garrett wanted a greyhound, so I adopted a greyhound, and and it's for him. And I I'm this entire interview. I'm walking with the greyhound, and he he's another memorial to Garrett. Yeah, I, I think. Um... The interesting aspect of of suicide, in particular, young people taking their own lives, is that friends and family don't know how to treat you anymore. That they don't know how to cope with what you're going through. Has that been your experience as well? Yeah, I think I think I have friends and family that me as a shell of the man that I used to be and much more in the friend area it's harder for them to look at me yeah and it's more it's more awkward when we go out and we're telling a story and something comes up that strikes a nerve with me and I just start crying yeah um I went to a hockey game a few months ago and we had a guy that was moving to Germany and it was his last night, so we all went out for a beer afterward and we're sitting on the patio eating and drinking and, and talking and everybody wanted to share their proudest hockey moment. And I just shut down and didn't say anything until they got to me. Uh, 
And when they did get to me, it was that Garrett was on my team when we won the Rusty Cup, which is the local tournament here for the Beer League. And uh, he's the he's the youngest winner ever of the Rusty Cup. It's usually an 18 and up. We didn't have enough teams and enough players. So they let some of the youth play, and and we won it that year. And I'm proud that Garrett is the youngest Rusty Cup winner. That's my proudest moment because I got to play with my son. Oh, that's awesome. The, did you say the Rusty Cup in the beer tournament? It, it's a beer league. Beer? It's a uh, beer, cerveza. Yeah, the beer league. Yeah, it's a... Uh, yeah, it's it, we don't take it seriously. It's of it's course. fun. It's a beginner's league. Of it's, course, of uh, course, yeah. Developmental league. There, that's a better right. way of saying beer league. I like it. Were there times on the Camino where oh, we can hear we can hear the dog? Uh, yeah. Well, it's the neighbor's dog barking at mine. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, were there times on the Camino as you gathered strength, both physically and um, spiritually, were there times when you thought, I'm just going to, I can just get a sense that I'm walking uh, for me for a little while, um, and you started to feel better? Uh, you started to feel that your spirit was improving? I think those those times were the times that I, I knew that Garrett was watching over me. Yeah. Um, I, I I think the days when I set out and I said, I'm going to walk 25 miles today. Regardless of what it costs me the next day, I'm going to push myself today. And I found myself hitting a, a runner's stride that I can do this. And I was. I was a little proud of myself and a little lonely because I was doing such long distances, I was leaving any friends that I had behind. But I needed to challenge myself. I needed to find that strength to keep going. Um, I had a rough 48 hours before the cruise to Pharaoh, and I got about an hour or two past, and no one was around me. And I threw my pack, I threw my phone, I threw my hat, I threw my walking stick, I threw everything that I could find, sunglasses, I just, I was scattering these up and down the trail. And I sat down on this rock, and I said, God, it has been a bad 48 hours, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, I can't do it anymore, I give up. Not one more step, not one more heartbeat. Take me right now. Don't make me suffer if I'm not strong enough to do this. And I don't mean the Camino. I meant life. I, uh, I cried. And finally I picked up my phone, called my girlfriend, and it's in the middle of the night. And uh, I told her I can't do it. And she, uh, she said, okay. If, if this is really the way you feel, but you can't quit now. 
You can't quit on life yet. You promised Garrett before you left you would finish the casino. So if you want to die, finish, then do it. And I was like, wow, that's some tough love. And I had refused to listen to music. I'd actually stopped walking with one lady because she listened to music. And up to that point, I had not listened to anything. I got my earbuds out, gathered all my stuff up, put on Garrett's hockey playlist, and I started walking and singing at the top of my lungs. And uh, I sang for the next three hours, walking. And Pilgrim's looking at me like I'm crazy. I just, I walked and I sang and I cried and I laughed. And I felt good and I felt bad. I hurt. But I also knew I was going to finish. Yeah. And I knew that my wife was the reason because she had given me that tough love of, well, you can quit, but you have to finish the Camino first. I think she knew that if I finished, there was no quitting life. And I did. I found what I was looking for, and that was strength. Yeah. Wow. That's a... Boy, Douglas, I t- I t- man, boy. I, I, I've got only a handful of questions left. I've got three questions, though, that I want to ask you, and I want you to answer as honestly as you can. How is okay. life... Okay. How is life... It's life. It, it's good. It, it has its ups. It has its downs. It has its setbacks. It has its moments of victory to celebrate, and it has its down days where you can't get out of bed. You just need to cry. It has days when I'm at work, and I think what I'm doing is impossible, and I'm never going to finish. And I think I finished the Camino. If I can do that, I can finish this. It's just a few more hours. Yeah, yeah. Okay, the second question. How are you? This is going to sound impossible. But I think I'm the best version of me that I've ever been. I'm the best version of me because Garrett taught me how to love. I'm the best version of me because after Garrett died... I regretted every time I ever raised my voice. And I decided to never be that way again. My dad was a very loud, outspoken, strong-willed man. And and I was raising Garrett that way. And I, I was much less hard on Garrett than my dad was on me. But I still, I'm not, I'm much more patient. I'm much more kind. I, I consider that I I look at everyone that I meet as not knowing what's going through their head. Are they having a good day or a bad day? Just because they have a smile on their face does not mean they're okay. So I try and treat everyone with kindness. My third question is how is Garrett? He's still my son. He hasn't changed. He hasn't gone away. He is 
in every step, in every breath, almost in every thought. And sometimes when I get caught up in life and I forget about him for a second, I almost feel guilty. But then I realize that he's watching. So I don't have to feel guilty about smiling or laughing or crying or whatever I'm doing because I know he's with me. He's still watching over me. It's his turn. The only reason I'm still alive is because he's watching over me. Tell, tell us a Camino story. I knew you were going to ask me that, and I had so many I had to go through. And I wanted to make it something that, that honored Garrett. So, like I said, I had a rough 48 hours before the cruise to Pharaoh. And we were going up the mountain, and I was walking with this gentleman that his son had committed suicide as an adult. So our situations were a bit different. You know, he had grandchildren from his son that had had died, but we were talking. And he was part of this group that they were all walking together, but we were all loosely walking together and we get to that village just before the cruise to Pharaoh and we stop to, to have a beer and, or a coffee or whatever everybody wanted and just kind of chill out. And as we were coming into that village, these three white buses go by and we all start grumbling. Oh, the tour greenos. God, why do they have to come and clog up the trail right in front of us? Like we're doing the long part here. They're cutting in line. They're going to slow down the trail for us. And we're, we've got goals in mind. You know, we're all grumbling about this. So we, as we enter the village, they're getting out of the bus. They're grabbing their little day packs. And they're starting up the trail. Well, me and this other guy are kind of toward the back of the pack as we're coming into the village. And we peel off and go to the cafes and we all come out on the patio and we're sitting at the group's all sitting at these three or four tables. And I said, y'all, I want to tell you, we should not be so quick to judge others. And they're like, what are you talking about? I said, we grumbled coming into this village. We complained about those two adrenos. We, we just, they're in our way. Who are we to say they're in our way? Maybe to them, this is one of the hardest things they'll face. Maybe they can't do the Camino. And they're like, oh, whatever. They're tourists. Well, I didn't say anything. I waited until we crested the hill and we could see the cruise to Pharaoh, and they had gotten there just before us. And I I stopped them, our, our group, this little group I was walking with for the day. And I said, let's just stop right here and let them take a group picture. And they were like, okay, why? I said, that is a group of mentally handicapped people. We judge them as tour greenos. But these people have mental 
and physical issues that we don't have, and they come to do this little section, and they're happy that they're up there. Let's let them have their moment. And we all stood back in awe as they come down, and they all said Wayne Camino to us. And we all felt so selfish for having complained about someone else cutting in line in front of us, someone else taking our spot. I I felt like we were the bullies in that situation, thinking that we deserved something because we had done this hard work. But we don't know the hard work that they've been doing their entire life to get there. So you can't judge people. That was my moment. That was what I took from it. That's a great story. Tell us another story. I I doctored one girl's uh, feet in some small village. She she already called her mother and said, I'm coming home. And I was like, she was sitting on her bed crying, and I'm talking to Jessica, my wife. And I was like, babe, I got to go. There's this girl over here laying in her bed crying. I've got to go see what's going on. So I walked over there, and I said, ma'am, are you okay? And her English wasn't very good. And uh, she said, I'm, I'm going to have to go home. My feet, too bad. And I said, let me see. I mean, pulled her feet out, and one of her... Uh, toes was black and the blisters were all open and it was it was horrible so this australian kid comes over there with me and we washed her feet and we put neosporin on her feet you know antibiotic cream on her feet and i bandaged them up and i give her a pair of my socks and i said wear these until you get to the next major city and then buy four pair of these that match and every two hours change socks take the old pair and hang them on the back let them dry, and then when you stop again, take the ones that you put on the back, dry, and put them back on and put the other ones, and then wash them every other day. And I saw her about four days later in, in a restaurant, and she stood up and started clapping, and she said, you saved my Camino. And I was happy. Tell us another story. Uh, Philip, when he came into the square at Santiago, I got there a day before him, and we actually, two, two or three days before that, I told him I'll be in Santiago tomorrow, so it was two days later. He said, there's no way. There's no way you'll be in Santiago tomorrow. And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do like 40, 45K going into Santiago. He said, that's insane. That's like cyclist stuff. And I was like, no, I, I'm going to do it. I'm going to walk in. And him and the lady that were sitting at the table with me, they were like, that's not the way of the Camino. You're supposed to slow down. It's supposed to be a spiritual journey, and you're supposed to enjoy it and search your soul. And I said, I didn't come here to find peace or love or any of that crap. I came here to find the strength to live. So to my last day tomorrow, going into Santiago, will be a test of the strength that I've gained. And I want it to be a 30-mile day. And it wasn't quite 30 miles. It was like 28.7. But it was, it was close enough. I was happy. It was my longest day. You know, Douglas, yours is a great story. I have just, I've been sitting here for the last 45 minutes pinching myself 
that I've had the opportunity to speak with someone like you. Someone so brave that is prepared to share their story so that perhaps you can help others. And Oh, and, if, and, and, if, and, if and, I were a millionaire, I would take troubled teens to the Camino. Every year I would, I would go back and do the Camino and take 10 troubled youth with me and let them see. I, I wish I had that kind of time and that kind of money. Uh, I would do it every year. I wish I could. Unfortunately, I'm just one, a one-man electrical company right now trying to get started in the world, so maybe someday. But I, I think it's really a, it's an amazing challenge, and I don't judge anyone for the way they do their Camino. Uh, I have so many stories that I can tell you on that of, of the conversations I've had of the cyclist, you know, is that cheating or is taking a taxi cheating or is taking a bus cheating or is using Jacko Tran cheating? No, whatever it takes for you to do it, do it. Be as much of a purist as you can. Don't take the easiest route, but at least give it your best. You know, I think Garrett would be enormously proud of you, Doug. Hugely proud of you. I think so. I think he would be proud of me and also maybe a little bit embarrassed by me, like, Dad, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I, I want to say, uh, well, first of all, I look forward to our paths crossing one day because I know that they will. And I also want to say congratulations for your huge, brave heart. And congratulations for honouring your son. Congratulations for walking in Garrett's honour. Congratulations for being a survivor. When I know it's most probably a hollow title when you've survived a son. And congratulations for being a beautiful human being. You may feel broken, but you're altogether more sound than all of us because of your courage. And congratulations to Garrett for having, a dad, for having a dad like you. I wish I could have done more, but I can't go back and undo time. But what I can do is stay on my Camino. Yeah. It didn't end when I finished the Camino. It, it, it did. It only began then. Man, your humility, your love, your Camino. I've thoroughly enjoyed speaking with you, Doug. Long live the memory of Garrett Hogan and all power to you, Pilgrim. Thank you so much for your Thank time. You. Thank you for sharing your story. And buen Camino, Doug. Buen Camino. My guest this week, the American Pilgrim, Doug Hogan. Seth Adam Smith is a best-selling, award-winning author and blogger. He says, I believe each of us is a pilgrim in our own way. We are all lost souls trying to find our way home. Welcome home, pilgrims. I'm Dan Mullins. 
you're interested in sponsoring me, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Dan Mullins or danmullinsmusic.com. All I'm asking is you maybe buy me a cafe con leche, a little coffee a week, just a couple of bucks, keep the podcast alive. What a great week. What a great story. What an amazing interview. I'm most humbled and honoured to have the opportunity each week to talk to you about the Camino de Santiago. Until next week, buen camino. <laughs>